you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I don't want to sound like some football hardo. (laughs) The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, football fans. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Studio 66, ready to roll. Football is nigh. I mean, it's going to be kicking off in a matter of days now. And really, it's not inaccurate to say it's going to be kicking off in a matter of minutes, you know? Then again, my impending death death is also a matter of minutes oh, away. Just, Hopefully more minutes, though. Well, just got really dark. Well, listen, you know what? I, I, you know my rule. No jive here in Studio 66, and uh, deserves got nothing to do with it, fellas. We all got it coming. That's quoting from uh, the magical, unforgivable movie, but also speaking of no jive, this is magical. Check it out what we got, everybody, from one of our favorites, one of the great citizens of the Czech Republic, the society that knows no borders, Andrew Raby from the UK. He keeps track of the DDFP Red Challenge flag. Before you know it, we'll be making our Red Challenge flag picks in front of every game in the NFL season. And uh, he sent along this, rule number one, no jive, DDFP, just hooey and applesauce. And even, look at that. The one thing I like is, though, that Raby did squeeze in a little plug for his website there, DDFP Red Flag, so you can keep track, DDFPRedFlag.com. But how handsome is that, handsome? What it's do you beautiful. Think about that? It's it really handsome. is beautiful. You know what else is handsome? What else is beautiful is uh, the sound of that voice and the man who's, uh, whose head it's coming out of. All the way from the UK. Maybe he lives next door to Andrew Raby. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know, and I don't care. He's our resident Miami Dolphins fan. It's Handsome Hank. Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. Hello. 
Hello, handsome. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you. Are you? It's been a while. You're excited. Are you excited about the Cuddy Air to get I, going? I mean, yeah. it's kind of underway. Yeah, I think. Did we talk about last time I was here? I think maybe that had just happened. Yeah. Oh, it I'm, did. Okay. I'm. I'm. No, he's signing. But now that we've seen him a little bit uh, in the uniform, well, we've seen him play like seven snaps. I'm not yeah. tonight. Actually, we're, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. The Miami Dolphins take on the Philadelphia Eagles in a in a big preseason clash. Maybe he'll throw four or five more passes, and I'll be more excited even than I am now. Coming up in just a few, we're going to get into the AFC West and NFC West. We'll see if we can get through both those divisions today. We intended to do that on our earlier show this week, but we got sidetracked with Game of Thrones talk, and we had Maurice Jones-Drew back in, and we had Will Blackman of the Redskins. He's delightful, and the birthday girl, Cindy Freeland, so we had a full boat, and we tackled a number of major issues, major issues. I encourage you to go back and, and dig those up. Legitimately, though, it was interesting stuff on Odell Beckham and uh, whether that was a dirty hit or if that was football, we get in on that. Kaepernick and beyond, what's going on there? And uh, like I say, some uh, some good thrones talk. Ooh, also, we we tried to settle what's the worst quarterback that Bill Belichick could win a Super Bowl with. I think Ooh, that was right. an interesting conversation. That was a good conversation. So, so dig in on all that stuff. Uh, go to uh, uh, iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else you choose, NFL. Uh, dot com slash ddfp track down the show also want to give a shout out to ron lippick he sent along his book l-i-p-p-o-c is his surname Steelers takeaways player memories through the decades he's talked to some of the biggest names in black and gold history franchise seated way over there next to handsome's left i should maybe just give you this you know what that's what i'm gonna do in real time i'm gonna loan you this book because it's all it's great stories, I'm and you can follow him. Accept. Yeah, at Pittsburgh Sports uh, is how you track Ron down Ooh. and see what he has to say about uh, the Steelers. If you're so inclined, or if you're a Ravens, Bengals, or Browns fan, you might want to see what's going on with uh, with the best team in the AFC North. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, let's say a proper hello to him now. But as we uh, as we jump into the world of pro football and beyond. You'll hear him, you'll see him, you'll read him throughout the season. NFL Fantasy Live is the place to do that. And I always forget your Twitter handle. Is it Fran- Matt Franchise? At Matt Franchise. I thought so. It's Matt Franciscovich. What's the poop, though? What's going on, Chuck? Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Let's go. Preseason week three. One half of the fantasy hipsters. One half. Yeah, there he is. Still got that the better half. The better beard. looking half. Oh, I agree. I, I, I mean. The better bearded half, at least. Stab, well, no doubt about that. <laughs> Let's go behind the glass for an answer there. Emma VP and Eddie Emma Spaghetti. Emma loves being put on the spot with this type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I love this kind of stuff. Who's, who's more handsome, Franciscovich or Matt Harmon? Um, I'm going to decide with whoever's here in the studio, so I'm going to go with Franchise. Well Smart. played. Comes well played. Big Spaghetti, right though, goes look at him, giving the thumbs down to Franchise. He's really studying the shot right now. Yeah. He's going Franchise. He likes his guys oh, beefier, yeah. Fran. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> A couple things real quick before we talk football. It's National Waffle Day here on Thursday. Amazing. And I don't want to be somebody who's jumping on the bandwagon on its special day. But I, I say it every year around this time. Who eats pancakes in a world that offers waffles? The waffle gives you a nice little square syrup cup. Why, what's, why do, what do, you do? do you have self-esteem issues? You, you don't deserve the syrup cup? Yeah, you have to hope that the syrup absorbs before it runs off the sides and it's just wasted there in a in a brown pool of stick. That's no way to live. They're made from mostly the same things, but they do offer texture wise, there's a different texture between mm-hmm. a waffle and a pancake. So they're you know, different times for for, for the different creatures. 
So you're going to advocate for a pancake? No, I would say sometimes there's great moments for waffles and sometimes there's great moments for pancakes. I mean, I'll eat a pancake. Don't don't get me. I'll eat the pancake if there is no I waffle option. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't but. think I deserve that. <laughs> uh, I think you do. What have you I I don't think, you know, we've debated before it would you ever sit down for a meal and have chili and soup or soup and chili, whichever order you prefer. <laughs> right. I what would be even weirder? Have you ever yourself or seen another ever go pancake and, and waffle, waffle in one sitting? I don't think so. No, no. Definitely I do. Ha- I have a waffle maker at home, and often in the morning uh, you'll make a big thing of the waffle. You know, the mixture. The batter. And say who wants pancakes, who wants waffles, and some kids will choose really? waffle, and some will choose pancake, which is irritating. I yeah. think a pa- I think a waffle intimidates maybe <laughs> right a young person. Is there something no, visually no, no, that's frightening about it? The squares. I don't know what. Maybe it's seen. I you know. Maybe it reminds like it's it it reminds regi- them of looks what? like graph paper, and then that like says uh, school. And nobody likes right. school. Uh, someone might ask them how many squares are there on your waffle, and then they'd be like, "I'm out." Yeah, oh, give, give me, me the pancake. pancake. Give me the circle thing. Right. Also, with the the square, whatever you call them, the syrup cups. Uh huh. Say you have chopped fruit or whatever. They can fall right in there, and then you get it all in one bite. There you go. If you got chopped fruit on a pancake, it's just going to roll right off. Right. Why do that? Two to separate that you may be overthinking that. I mean, like, I no, get, I get Dave's point with I, the syrup, but the, the fruit bit is not. I've experienced with this. All right, you two. Okay. You two done? You're yes. gonna. That's a thing. Okay. Make right. sure you well, cut your apples hey, into squares. Hard so Knocks has been dynamite this year. I think we can all agree it's really been it's good great. with the Buccaneers, thanks to Jameis and McCoy and Mike Evans and the rest of them. Coming up, uh, one of the senior producers from NFL Films Ooh. and a swell fellow to boot, Keith Cosro, coming up on the show. But well, let's Keith jump in on one of my favorite people at the NFL. I can't wait to chat with him. Is that right? Yeah. All right. Well, no, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I'd like some personal one-on-one time with him. Well, because he's a Steelers fan, see? So right. I'm going to talk to him probably about that a little bit. I want to hear. We can talk about the hard knocks. We can I know. I'm going to pull nothing. the curtain. What happens behind the scenes at hard knocks. Right. You might be a little out of your Yeah, depth, yeah, I would. That would I, okay, cool. I well, don't know that you can. We'll get sort it out. I'll, I'll make sure I'm in there. Here's something. Here's some fun to do before we get into these divisions is um, you saw the Kyrie Irving for Isaiah Thomas and others deal Cleveland and Boston big shakeup over in the Eastern Conference of the NBA we lament often that there aren't as many trades in the NFL although I will say in the last couple of years there have been a few trades of significance none so far really this uh this August maybe you know but between the top what do you give me the eyes for franchise was there a good trade? Sammy Watkins Jordan Matthews wait a second Sammy Watkins and Jordan Matthews <laughs> that's right that was terrific. I that stand corrected. Trade. That was a good trade. You're right. And by the way, talking to Maurice Jones-Drew and a couple other people associated with the Rams these days, they say, look out. Look, I mean, it really does. Keep in mind, Sammy Watkins, look back at the draft. Look at the wide receivers he went ahead of. That doesn't guarantee success, but it does indicate that his pedigree sure. was awfully high, that yeah. he was drafted in front of Odell Beckham and a number of other stars in the league now. Health is the has always been the issue with Watkins. If he gets it right this year and Cooper Cup, I mean, you know. You've got to think, though, the Bills, when they when they made that trade, they know full well what his health is and, and – uh, and, 
therefore didn't have value to. Yeah, but if anybody lost that three-way trade, it was the yeah. Bills. And it yeah, seems yeah. like they were contract purges, like, well, we don't want to have to deal with renego- with trying to figure out the yeah. second contract for these guys. Let's just wash our hands of all that. But, yeah, by, uh, you're right. But but optimistically, if he can be healthy, then, then uh, the Rams figure to True. be quite a bit better than they were last year. But, all right, either way, Let's come up with a couple of trades here and now. Go ahead, franchise. I start with you. Throw out one. One for one. Don't give me any jive with draft picks and secondary kind of players. Just give me one star for one star that you'd like to see in 2017. Am I using the list that we have? No, that's my list. All right. Uh, You know – I'll throw one out so you can think of it. And handsome, you think of one. I've thought of one already. It's on the list already. You thought I, of it, and it's I, it's on my I, list? It's not on your list. It's on my list, the bottom one on the list. Just, oh, okay. Just, I didn't hurry, get just hurry up. Come Here's on. Here's mine. Brandon Marshall. Yes. The, you know, listen, the Giants have good wide receivers this year, but Evan Ingram's emergence already here in August, he's sort of a wide receiver anyway. He's going to be that Jimmy Graham, George sure. Reed style, not, you know, not the – a uh, Mike Ditka style blocking tight end as much as not as many an extra, of those right. He's, he's much more days. of a pass catcher than he is anything else. Plus, obviously, they have Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard. They don't need Brandon Marshall. They do need a running back. You know who needs a wide receiver? The San Francisco 49ers. For whatever reason, they're not as gaga with Carlos Hyde as I am. I think Carlos Hyde's a great talent. Brandon Marshall for Carlos Hyde. Done and done. It's a good trade. It's a good trade. Isn't I like it? it. I would do it. It might mean the end of uh, days for Brandon Marshall in San Francisco. <laughs> I don't know if he would enjoy yeah. being shipped off to San Francisco given that state. Yeah. If life. you listen to Maurice as well, our friend, he would say that Paul Perkins is going to have a big season for the Giants. I've, he's t- I've heard him tell me that. He has. Yes. Yeah, that's what, I mean, ha- me like has that? he made any waves in the preseason, though? That's... No, not yet. But, I mean, I, didn't, I asked him the question before the preseason. Maurice says, right. yeah, Paul Perkins, he can do it by himself. No, they don't need any help. Huh. I, I, you know what? Well, I'll I think it's a Maurice. great trade. I think that you will see. Here's my prediction, uh, micro prediction for the New York Giants. Shane Vereen will get more snaps than Paul Perkins does this year. They're going to be passing the ball a lot. You know, yep. they're not built to – they're not the, – the offensive line and beyond isn't built to to play power ball. Paul Perkins is an odd fit given that that's the case. I think Shane Vereen will be back there um, Good point. After, after the early down. Um, all right, Handsome, go ahead. Lay one on. Well, so my one, it's not it's not the two stars that you, that you brought up, but um, I don't know if you heard the Seahawks lost their left tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, George that. Fant. Is it George Fant? It seems like – Fant. A, it seems it's a very un- – Unlikely name for a, a large gentleman. Fant. Fant. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, so Joe Thomas. Be who, more appropriate if you took the N out of it for an offensive yes. lineman. That's kind of mean. Well, that's um, not what they are, those well, offensive linemen. No, they're not. They're, they're um, big-boned and, and strong. Um, Joe Thomas, who has played uh, for the perennially terrible Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. is a great left tackle. Would I mean, wouldn't it be nice for him to go out and, and actually have a chance to, to win something? And the Browns, this was a, this was a hard one because they literally need everything. So right. I could have I could have <laughs> I could have put anything. Richard Sherman was an option, but I figured they're probably not going to do that trade. Jeremy Lane is a guy they've talked up for a long time. He's had a bunch of injury problems. The Browns, if they really need help anywhere, it's it's in the secondary. So I thought Jeremy Lane, cornerback. Uh, you know why not? Why not I like that very much. And imagine if Joe Thomas 
were to magically, if if they if they're listening and do pull the trigger after right. Handsome Hank has uh, has thrown it out there into the football ether, what a, a Joe Thomas? They would be the clear cut favorite, right? Sure. Everybody would say, well, that's that's the yep. NFC uh, favorite to go to the Super Bowl. I would think. I if think they, so. If they had a a really good. good. Left tackle. Right. It seems to uh, to be the case to match up with a newly healthy Russell Wilson, who's you know revitalized and ready to go. I think so. I like that uh, franchise. You have one. Speaking of the Seahawks, hmm. all right, Martavis Bryant for Richard Sherman. Let's well, do it. Martavis look, Bryant. Look. So they have a gaggle of receivers. They go get Juju Schuster Smith. The Steelers do. Oh yeah. Plus you have the best receiver in the game. Plus you have Eli Rogers, who is good. And they have a you know that between Ayers and some other interesting guys. At least they they have some guys that can catch the ball now. You know Xavier probably, Grimble. Right. You keep you, you keep DHB. He's supposedly potentially on the cut block, but they end up keeping DHB, a valuable veteran. Yeah. In special teams and otherwise. And for the Steelers, you solve the cornerback issue. You got a lockdown corner, big right. physical guy at that, and that's exactly. what Pittsburgh likes there. That would just make their defense dominant. In return, the Seahawks, to go along with Doug Baldwin, Doug Baldwin wouldn't, with all due respect, probably wouldn't be their number one anymore. Correct. Bryant would be. What would that do for that team? So now they have Joe Thomas and Martavis Bryant. Who can beat them? Wait, that neither one of those has yeah. happened yet. <laughs> I like that though. That's very good. That's a good one. Here's one. The Jets are bad, like uh, like uh, we've discussed ad nauseum. But the one position that they oddly seem stacked is on the defensive line. Sheldon Richardson. Um, they have Leonard Williams, the first pick that they the the uh, now going into his third year already. I think they could spare him. And what they would do is potentially solve their quarterback issue. How? For the next decade. Now, here's a trade that probably would never happen in the real world. Right. The New York Jets trade to the New England Patriots, Leonard Williams for Jimmy Garoppolo. Done and done. Uh, Not happening. Why not? (laughs) I know that the two teams aren't going to do, but why wouldn't that be a good trade in, in, you know? There's so many. I mean, outside outside the the rivalry part. Outside of the rivalry part. I don't know if you noticed, the Jets are trying to lose so they can get a quarterback. Why would they trade away their one decent defensive piece when they're already going to get a good quarterback anyway because they're going to draft one next year? You're no fun. I like this idea. That's what about a bad one. All the other ones Man- were good, Dave. That's a bad one. Garoppolo in Manhattan. Move oh. over, Broadway Joe. Ooh, the, the pretty Garoppa boy's Potamus coming to town. In who's, Manhattan. He, who's he going to throw the ball to there? There's nobody. What are you worried about? Who's uh, uh, who's Sam Darnold going to throw it to next year? What do What do you know? Robbie Anderson. <laughs> That's uh, right. Garoppolo would not be, I don't think, in the don't, same held in the same regard he is as right. a Patriot if he was the Jets' starting quarterback with uh, that wide receiving core. You're a Garoppolo denier, eh? Perhaps. What, what? I am a bit as well. Like I watched him in the preseason the other day. He was. I don't see what the big deal eh. is. Could he's become one of the <laughs> he's become a big deal because people have talked about him as a big deal for a long time, and because many would say he's more handsome even than the gold standard Tom Brady. It's pretty that's the other how, how good looking he is. It's pretty well. Honest. It's quite clear that the Patriots fancy him quite a bit. They could have moved him like they did Ryan Mallett and right. and any number of other guys. They didn't. They clearly hold him in high regard. They're yep. waiting for. In fact, our pal Ross Tucker told us about a month ago that the big storyline of the 2018 offseason is going to be 
Brady or Garoppolo in Foxborough. That's going to be a major storyline. He's predicting that. Mm-hmm. I don't right. think he's. I don't think well, he's just. Because the I don't Jets think he's just throwing stuff against the wall either. I think he knows something right. that leads him to believe that yes. the organization knows that that is coming yeah. to a head. He has sources. I didn't cite any. Perhaps anonymous. He might have had uh, some blueberry. Uh, uh, Dunkin' Donut Munchkins in his mouth. We had, we, well, when he was here, we <laughs> challenged him to live up to his word. He said he could eat 100 during the podcast. He ate four. Yeah. Oh. Well, he didn't live up so to his word. So maybe he doesn't then. know what he's talking about when, after all. <laughs> all right, let's get into it now. We've waited all through the offseason. At long last, I think we can properly begin to break down the divisions. Where do you want to start, Emma VP? Because I don't know if we'll get to both once we dig in here. Why don't we go with the AFC West? You want to it's do the AFC best division West. in football. Yeah, Why would division. we not? AFC West is the best division in football. Ooh, we got a good question, too, that we have to address. I guess we'll push that one to next week. But uh, someone from the Czech Republic said, what division has the best and what division has the worst uniforms collectively? Yeah. I, you know, that, uh, that. NFC East has the best. No, we'll, we'll do that later. Well, I'm just, I, I might as well just supply an answer. So the NFC East does not have the best. That's, that's an easy Or the AFC West has the best. No, no but let's do it another time. Oh, yeah, we're going to do it later. Yeah, that's not right either. See, you almost, you almost got me in, Handsome. Almost he got did. You. I'm not going to do it, though. All right, the AFC West it is, and Handsome, you just heard it, called it the best division in the NFL 2017. What do you want to do, fellas? Start at the bottom and work our way up? Well, what's the bottom? Do we agree what's the bottom? I we're not going to agree what the bottom is. I, All right, I franchise, I say the, the spirit of that, you tell us who's well, your last place team. <sighs> The Broncos, man. Ah, oh, wow. I agree. Simeon. I mean, come on. Simeon do, does nothing for me. And coming from a fantasy perspective, I want nothing to do with any of those wide receivers. The backfield is a mess. They're trying to see if Jamal Charles has any gas left in the tank. Really, I, I think mean, from fantasy perspective, right, C.J. Anderson could be could be a, a nice yeah, pick for you this yeah, year. Yeah, but then they got Devontae Booker. They got this rookie, uh, D'Angelo Henderson, who could get some snaps. Jamal Charles. I, I like C.J. Anderson. I just don't know what kind of workload he's going to have if they have I think he's other guys get it rotating. All. I think he's going to get it all. He's probably and the so, best back there, but yep. it's a matter of can Simeon move the offense to get to the end zone. What do you throw, like 20 touchdown passes last year or something? 19? Well, you know, first of all, you have a new coach there in Vance Johnson. It's interesting, too, that you have that you have two new head coaches in both Wests. Right. Uh, maybe that's not interesting. It's not interesting to me. Well, half of the all of all eight teams that play in the West division. Still not new... interesting. You've just said the, the same thing again a different way. It's still not interesting. All right. Let's, uh, so, so let's tackle the, uh, the guys that wear the orange jerseys then in uh, <laughs> a mile high. Are they your last place? Yeah, team? my last place team. Really? As well. All right, explain really, yourself. Same reason, I think. I mean, Simeon not exciting. I think you know the defense. I, I just, I think they're they're not as good as the other teams in the division. That's an obvious way of putting it. But that I I, I feel like they are going to be the ones that take the step but back. But they while still the, have all the that... other teams have taken a step forward. But the defense is for real. Still, Didn't... the question mark is uh, is Demarcus Ware. I guess the other one that people. Are not I've heard a couple of whispers about this. Is Akib Talib is you know the decline in that right. is inevitable for a football player has begun there. there. But then again, they have Bradley Roby, so it's not the end of the world that that if that is in fact the case. Plus Chris Harris Jr. The defense is for real. Simeon yeah. looked okay. I don't think he was uh, by any means a a bum QB. Last year, I think the bigger story that a lot of people are latching onto is, as we foretold 
what, about 10 months ago? Paxton Lynch not winning that gig is not good. That's a swing and a miss from John Elway. You can praise him all you want, and he deserves it for the most part. But a first-round QB who still isn't going to be the starter in his second season, you're veering awfully close to to bust status for him. But (laughs) It um, also puts into perspective the whole Jerry Jones after that day one of the draft. I I tried everything I could to trade up for for this Paxton Lynch character and then stumbled into Dak Prescott and got praised for that. He should have just kept his mouth shut. Everyone you, would think he was a isn't genius. Isn't that right? Isn't that, like, it, just be quiet. Shh. Yeah, you didn't get Paxton Lynch. Quiet. Yeah. Don't tell it, anyone. And by the way, that is an, uh, that's an undercovered part of the Dak Prescott story. Is That was one extra was like, layer that he had to overcome right. is a lack of confidence from the guy who drafted you. We right. didn't really want you. We wanted we the we other wanted guy the way other guy, more. But we, couldn't, we couldn't get him. You were kind of our fourth, fourth or fifth choice. Yeah, I would. I, you know what? That's what I would have given yeah, Dak Prescott. Just uh, like giving him, uh, I would have gotten him an eight by ten of Paxton Lynch and had it signed for him and said, "Look, here you go, Mr. Jones, on your induction. Like, your your doubt of me uh, it w- w- will motivate me. For, right, right. Let him know. Um, the I'm gonna go with the Broncos in fourth place too. And the only reason I'm gonna do that instead of the Chiefs is because. I don't know exactly what to expect out of Vance Joseph or anything else, and I do know that Andy Reid, whatever doubts I may have, he gets his teams from Philadelphia Mm -hmm. and Kansas City to the postseason at an unusually high rate, and it doesn't really matter what stuff is happening around unless they're decimated like by injury as they were two years ago. Mm -hmm. The thing that makes me worried is the Alex Smith, uh, Patrick Mahomes stuff. If if Smith slips up this season – it's a nice place, Kansas City, rah, rah. They're not inclined to badmouth their team, as people say. It's much more of a collegiate atmosphere than it is in more hard-nosed football towns like Philadelphia, New York, where they'll boo you out of the joint kind of you thing. You just said that, that Kansas City's not a hard-nosed I said they are football not, town. They love their football, but they're much more in the spirit of right. the Chiefs and Arrowhead, and it's magical, and they're not inclined to badmouth decisions as much as I mean I think that's fair we've had people sitting here and tell us that people who have traveled football America and say that it has that vibe to it but I do think if Alex Smith in the building has a bad game or two and they're in a tough division to your point handsome I could see people in the locker room starting to say like put the kid in there he looks so good in the preseason and that's I think Alex Smith's been there for long enough and has earned the respect he's one of those guys that you know has has grit you know, and, I agree, and I but they also teammates. know that he there's a ceiling, that, and they and we've all seen it, and he practically can't throw the well, ball downfield, and that's a problem. I agree with that. Equally, I think everyone in that locker room probably knows that Alex Smith will not be there next year, regardless of what happens. Also fair, and if you're Tyree Kill and you're running by everybody, but the quarterback can't get you the ball, I can see him having an issue with that mm-hmm. specifically. Right. I was going to say, will Tyree Kill open that up for Alex Smith this year? We'll see. Well, time will tell, but he was not uh, an accurate downfield passer. I know that people will say they don't try to throw the ball downfield, but when they do, he's inaccurate, ergo. That's why they don't try to do it very often. I'll put them as my third-place team. Handsome, your third place. My third-place team is the Chargers. I love the Chargers. I'm a big Chargers fan, as you may be aware, and and no one on the Chargers Chargers team gets my love more than Phillip Rivers. I feel like Phillip Rivers, and maybe he's been written off too many times, but I've always said he reminds me of Marino. And the end of his career, as he begins to lose mobility even more, with that offensive line, which once again is beaten up and they've lost some of the starters that they'd anticipated having, including their, their rookie pick, um, Forrest Lamp, I, I I just feel like he may become a bit of a statue back there behind the line. 
and going to have a hard time getting away from people. And that's where Marino, at the end of his career, just couldn't do anything. And uh, and in the end, it it doesn't look good. And I th- I, I hate well, to say it, but I think I think the end is going to come fast for Philip Rivers. I we've debated it a little bit. I don't know, snake bitten or practically drafting guys that aren't right. physically built, or I don't know the training situation or what it is. But right now, Mike Williams and Forrest Lamp now both are not, are neither one is going to get into September and Mike Williams hopefully is back in time for October and Lamp's already out Dan Feeney the other uh, rookie guard that they have there I hear you handsome and maybe I just want it to happen and maybe that's why I'm saying it but I like this Chargers team but I do too I do too but I liked it before all those injuries happened and now the injuries have happened I I like it less than I did before which is why I probably would have had them in second previously I just I can't buy them now 6 weeks ago they would have been yeah. my my division champion Could pick be. right and now I I feel like I might have to back off of that I want to hear what the franchise has to say first though uh yeah I think the Chargers have a lot of firepower on offense they got Keenan Allen back hopefully he can stay healthy right. Melvin Gordon kind of broke out last year before he got injured Hunter Henry is on the up and up. Hunter Henry, you talk a lot of fantasy. Hunter Henry is – where do you have him in tight ends? See, I think as long as Antonio Gates is still in the league, Hunter Henry's not going to be able to reach his ceiling. Uh, I agree, fantasy. but I also think he's a top eight or ten tight end option in yeah, fantasy. Yeah, may- maybe top – maybe like back end of the top ten, a low end tight end one. Um, I mean, he, he led the league uh, tied with Cameron Brait with eight touchdowns last year as a rookie. But he only had 36 catches, so he's very inconsistent. Uh, I think he takes a step forward this year, but that you know that kind of replaces that weapon in the end zone for the Philip Rivers Antonio Gates connection. I do uh, think when you like, talk about offensive firepower too, Melvin Gordon yeah. is if if he's healthy, I think he's for real. Definitely. Not to mention a delightful fella in one half of the Melvins who we visited in uh, Costa Mesa last week. Dig up that uh, DDFP. Good fun down there with the Chargers, Trey Boston, Melvin Ingram and company. But uh, I just worry about their defense a little bit. I, See, that's what I don't worry about. Well, what, what's, what's your concern specifically I don't know, about that? I just that? feel like uh, they were in a lot of close games last year, and they 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 blew they blew leads. But that was the offense blowing the lead on behalf of the defense, and it was always and that Phil was Rivers the point. throwing, a, Phil pick Rivers throwing a pick at the end of a game or whatever, where where yeah. the defense was like, we did everything we could have done. All you had to do was close this out, and you gave the ball away. Screw the pooch. Well, and also between Verrett and Hayward, Verrett. I mean, is that – it's funny that Ike Taylor has them as his fourth best cornerback uh, tandem. Wow. And somehow I feel like that's a slight. And right. I said that to Casey Hayward too. What, you know, he's like, ah, I'm all right. Well, not my favorite. You know, I, I didn't exactly love where Ike had us. I agree with that. I mean, Casey Hayward was terrific last year, and Verrett was, to, to your point, franchise, he's one of the many who was hurt. And if you go Bosa and Ingram, and Bosa didn't start the season, then he got hurt. If you have Bosa and Ingram, I mean, they're, they're going to be devastating in pass rush. And then, the, 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 you know, what, the, what we always hear simplistically is the pass rush dictates how good a coverage you have because the quarterback has to get rid of it more quickly and he right. forces passes. Or the secondary – uh, you know, is covering up guys, and so that gives an extra beat to the pass rush to reach the QB. Well, they have both. Right. They're gonna. They should be really a terrific defense this year. But if we're looking at between the Chiefs and the Chargers, I would say the Chiefs have a better defense. 
Chiefs have a better defense, and they've been on a roll for the last but, two years. They've right. Been, they've but, been winning. They, or they, they can't stop. Oh, them. I said but, two years. You're right. That was three years ago Andy Reid didn't make the playoffs with that team. Right. With the missed kick and all right. that stuff. So that's kind of the tiebreaker for me, even though the Chargers have more of an offensive prowess. I would put the Chiefs ahead of them in this AFC West ranking just because their defense is better in my eyes. Big year. I have said I've advocated for Phil Rivers and said he belongs in the Hall of Fame with another good season or two. But – I, you know, if you do watch him and you watched him the last two years, he hasn't, you know, he's, I, you know, you can point fingers and blame the health and everything else, but he hasn't been, you know, there, it, there feels like potentially that there's been a little drop off there for. Oh, he, led, he led the league in picks last year. Right. Yeah. I mean, but again, you can, you can make an excuse for that too. And people accept it, but that's why I think 2017 big year for Phil, you sure, know, yeah. he, I, 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 he's, uh, that would be the difference. You know, straight up, most important position on the field is quarterback. I'll take Phil Rivers over Alex Smith, and I know that's getting simplistic too, but I, I, I'm i going to ride the potential of 17 in what could be a really dynamic offense and what could be a, a nasty defense to beat out those Chiefs. So you're going Chiefs uh, franchise at as, two. Your, as your second place, handsome. So you're going Chiefs too. I'm a I'll tell you what I like is they, it. they, tough, they, I'm just looking at our research packet. They've been consistently good for the last couple of years and they've got, so 20 of their 22 starters are coming back again. Hmm. See, they're good. Yeah. They've proven they're good. That's and something. they're seasoned and those guys are coming back again. How could you, how could you not hope that they're Look who knows seasoned. his numbers. Look who's getting well, no, I can read. numbers. I can read. While you're reading from a research packet? Yes. All right. I just, I admitted to that. I appreciate that. I, I, I want to be honest with everyone. No jive, no jive. Um, I'm bummed out that this is where we are as a group, that none of us is going to stick our neck out. This isn't in the spirit of the DDFP preseason division picks here. But, all right, go ahead, franchise. The Raiders. The Raiders are the team. Any concern that they played an inordinate number of close games last year and that will return to the mean in 2017? Their defense was really bad for – a good majority of yeah. the season. Uh, they gave up a ton of points, but their offense was good enough to keep them in games. I think if their defense can improve, uh, that's not something that we need to worry about. I think the defense does look on paper like it is, in fact, improved. Mm -hmm. But you say if. What's your concern about that happening? Mm, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't – I can't really point to a reason why they gave up so many points in yards. I, I, don't, I don't really know what – The secondary was terrible. Yeah. I mean, it was a mess, but they 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 should have fixed it with their number one and number two draft pick. Yep, yep, and their and their safety duo is right. nice, and yeah, British I, guy Obi Malafonwu. Mm-hmm. I like that. Oh, you say that so nice, Thank Malifluous, you. Malifluous. They're also twenty uh, fifth in sacks, or last in the league in sacks with twenty five. My bad. I know. How could that possibly be with uh, Khalil Mack back with there? Khalil Mack. His name well, he even was, rhymes he was, with sack. He was and, the only guy back there getting sacks, apparently. Yeah, I know. I was never a fan. The day they made the Bruce Irvin signing, I thought, eh, I don't, I don't think that's gonna fix. Oh, imagine Irvin on the other side of Mac. Eh, I don't know. Hasn't happened. Um, so okay, so we'll go Raiders, and we buy the the big story, of course, uh, where the Raiders are. Oh, aside from the Vegas aspect, is the return of Marshawn Lynch to the NFL and to the East Bay. Do you think that that has any import? Does the team rally around this guy? Is he going to bring a certain spirit that uh, that they otherwise wouldn't have, Handsome? I think it would be great for spirit. 
but you don't think he's going to be a great I think, football player. I don't player. think he'll be a great football player. Huh. Thanks for reading between the lines there, Dave. I think this. The Seahawks, who are as liberal as it gets with letting their players do whatever they want and behave how they want, as long as they take care of business, I happen to know that they, that I, from talking to a couple of people associated with that, that they were legitimately kind of like, all right, already with Marshawn. I mean, he would refuse. He does. He would do weird stuff yeah. in an environment where they embrace that kind of stuff. Right. And they, even there, they were kind of like, all right, already, man. Like, remember when he didn't go into the locker room in Arrowhead and just stayed out there for the halftime and laid there? I mean, he just does weird stuff. Yeah. You know, his behavior and as a leader, even in that Seahawks locker room, what do you think he means now as a Super Bowl champ walking into Oakland and he rules the East Bay and everything else? I, I suspect he has some influence with the guys in the silver and black. He, I could see this feel-good story getting a little sideways right. inside the locker room. Yeah, and I, I kind of question his motivation, you know? Like, he's in Oakland. It's his hometown. I understand that. But when he retired – he was on the Bear Grylls show, Running Wild with Bear Grylls, and he asked him like, "What was the high like? What was the highlight of your football playing career?" And he said, "Retiring." And just a couple weeks ago, in an interview, a reporter asked him if he missed football while he was away, and he said, "No." Hmm. Yeah, that's so is he back? Good. Is he back for the wrong reasons? If he came back for money or because he liked a quarterback that was on a certain roster, I. That part, I'm not. I, I'm with handsome on the spirit part. I think. Right. I think that feels I think good. But I wonder if he is willing. Super to, excited about it. Yeah, it, it seems like it. It could be. A, I was going to say a, a wonderful fairy tale, but I guess it wouldn't be. That's the other question: Is what happens if the Raiders win the Super Bowl? Then, then, yeah. then, then the well, goodbye. Yeah, that would be one of the weirdest stories in <laughs> in in like the last half century of sports in America. If the team wins the Super Bowl and then they depart town, yeah, they move to Vegas. Weird with the with the Lombardi Trophy and <laughs> that there would be a, so strange. In the Raiders game on sat last weekend, I was watching it on TV, and as the players walked off the field, which is also as bizarre, it was. I get. I don't know if they do this for regular season games, for the, but for this preseason game, they all all the players at halftime walked out the set, walked back into the locker rooms via the same tunnel which is not something oh, you, really? you huh. normally see. They were mingling. But there were fans leaning over, and one of the fans on, on his jersey had had printed uh, F, but the full F, Las Vegas, um, with, a, with a Raiders whatever number on it, uh, it was. That's $150 or right. $200 you ain't getting back. <laughs> exactly. At least you're going to have your jersey. Yep. <sighs> I had season tickets to the Raiders, and all I bought myself was, was this, this very expensive uh, football right. jersey to make my statement. All right, so what do you think, Emma VP? Move on. Don't, don't uh, dig in on the NFC West right now. Yeah, I think we should save it for next week. Then we can go all in on go all in on it. All right. Oh, all, all or nothing. All or nothing on it. That's what we're gonna. <laughs> talk let's to. get Keith, Keith in here. I want to no, talk. No, to I'd, let's I'd get like Keith you to leave. There. I'd like you to leave. What? You know what? Can I tell you the the truth, handsome? I already talked to Keith. We are going to do that after Ooh. you guys. Oh, I already did it before you guys showed up. What? Sad. I talked to Keith. So it's That's even more of a – How long is this show, Emma VP? Uh, we're already over an hour with that interview you already taped with Keith. We are? Darn. So we shouldn't do – so we're not going to do NFC West. Do You don't want to do Brian T. Gray's question? The one you talked about earlier? Yeah, the uniform stuff. If you want to do it quickly, but you're asking for my recommendation. Yeah. My recommendation is to toss it to Keith. All right, let's do the uniform thing quick. Now, let's, <laughs> uh, 
I will say, and I'd like to dig in. I do in like on the it. fact that we got through exactly half of Emma's rundown. I don't want to be. I don't want average in an hour. I don't want to be glib about uh, the hurricanes. I understand it's a category one. That's not uh, you know about everybody. to come through. I hope everybody uh, you know uh, house and home and uh, and uh, the people within those homes are good and safe. But yeah. I've said it before. I don't imagine like if your life was disrupted by a natural disaster. I think it's it was it was wrongheaded. Whoever decided, let's name these hurricanes after people. Like, you know, Emma behind the glass. Like, you know, if your what if your house got demolished by a hurricane, you'd be really destroyed. Then on top of it, like, yeah, it was Emma who did it. Like yeah. then that's an extra. You know, yeah. that's you know I don't need that. What but Emma do you think, do you think Emma ruined my life? Right. Do you think that people named Emma would take some pride in that? Like Hurricane hey, did Vicky? You hear, guys? Hey, yeah. Did you hear? No. Our, our hurricane was was great. I, do you know that uh, meteorologists and historians say the most severe hurricane of all was named after me? Yeah. Hmm. What do you have going for you? Exactly. Watch out. I don't like that, but I think it's right there in front of society. Now, it would be a better thing. Like, I'd rather say out of dignity that my, my home – I wouldn't want to say, yeah, my life has been destroyed by Hurricane Emma – I'd feel a little bit better about it if I could say it was destroyed by Hurricane Butkus or <laughs> Hurricane DeBrickashaw. Yeah. What I'm saying is football offers some great names that would really lend themselves. There's no shame in losing DeBrickashaw, right? To DeBrickashaw. Right. You see? Mm-hmm. How about uh, Darkwa? There you go. See? That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Handsome. Do you, do you, you see where I'm going Hurricane with Hurricane Hunter. See, you're right. Ominous. Could, I, how could I avoid it? He, yeah, he had eyes for me from right. the get-go. You know, <laughs> think this through. Think this through. Let's come up with a good list of those. Emma VP, you have any? Nope. Her- <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Is there a correlation between the list of bad hurricane names and bad names for for babies? What's this current one called? I, I heard it and I was uh, as usual. Oh, Harvey. Harvey. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Harvey. I got beaten up by Harvey. Yeah, we. You know, I don't want. I don't want Harvey getting the right. better of me. <laughs> yeah, you got you know? Sandy. Joe, like Joe, yeah, Broadway Joe. What'd you say there, MVP? Sandy. Sandy. Yes, yeah, Sandy. Ruthless. Sandy. Sandy I need to yeah. deal with that on top of everything else I'm dealing with. Now emotionally, expect me to try and deal with that. That it was Sandy who got me. So dainty. Yeah, right. That see. Yeah. You know? yeah. Not scary at all. I'm going to stay in my house while Sandy blows by because I don't believe that it's strong. Hurricane Darnell, you know, like Darnell Dockett. You know, that that would now Mm -hmm. seem then. How about Hurricane Mean Joe, right? Yeah, now we got nicknames. All right, here we go. That's enough. Hurricane Keith coming through. (laughs) Here he comes, everybody. Good to see you, franchise. Uh, At Matt Franchise. NFL Fantasy Live, the podcast, the pages at NFL.com, the TV show soon to be returning. We'll be on the lookout for Franchise and his fellow fantasy hipster. Less handsome, though he is, Matt Harmon and the rest of the crew there. <laughs> handsome Hank doing his work. He's toiling for to bring football to the world, to the world. He's bringing it to Mexico City and, uh, and London once again. Are you going to come? Where? To the UK? One of them. I'd love to go to Mexico City. Middle of the sea. That's Wait, too far. But to fly in, yeah, in a, for me in to go sense, to the you just London. said you don't want to go to the UK. No, I'd like to go to the UK. I'd rather go to Mexico City if you gave me a choice. I've always wondered what Mexico City looks like anyway. Okay. Although, you know what? London would be fun. <laughs> There's photos online. That's true. I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could. But that, yeah. yeah, I'd like to, to try Mexico City with Handsome Hank. Imagine. 
imagine what we would do down there. The Trace Diaz uh, uh, Fiesta, me and Handsome would, See. would throw on down there. What a, what a time. All right, let's get to it then. Here he is from uh, NFL Films, our pal Keith Cosro, everybody. <laughs> That's Dave Damashek. Oh, yeah, you hear the music, and now you're going to hear the voice of a guy I hope you caught a couple months ago when we kibitzed with him around uh, the release of uh, uh, All or Nothing with the Los Angeles Rams. Here he is, the longtime senior producer of Hard Knocks. Now I guess we'll figure out what he's doing at NFL Films these days. Our pal, Keith Cosro. What's happening, fella? Great to be back with you, Mr. Damashek. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. Before we jump in on Hard Knocks talk, and by the way, spellbinding season thus far. One of the best. Really? It's, yeah. on, tr- it's on track. It's We're three in. We got two to go, and, and we can talk about where it ranks when it's all over. First, but, what are your let's let's preview because where uh, we park our cars in the same garage is uh, and our garages are black and gold. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Are you excited? I'm very excited. I'm a little nervous. Are you uh, nervous? Why? Because I think all the pieces are there, except maybe in the back end of the defense. Well, all or nothing is a good title for the Steelers as they go into this one. I mean, this is this is it. This the is deck it. is about as stacked as you're going to have it. If you want to, and Tom Brady at 40 is not going to be playing forever. And I really legitimately feel like that the Steelers, not uh, this is a tall order to win a Super Bowl under any circumstances. But I kind of feel like they need to not just do that, but they need to vanquish the Patriots for all of football America. This is I'll it. Say you. And, and the que- this is it. And, and, and they have that, to do it now. But the question is, if you're Mike Tomlin, if you're Ben Roethlisberger, did you just spend the month of August, uh, the month of August waking up every morning saying we are in all likelihood going to have to go to Gillette stadium at the end of January and slay the dragon once and for all. If we want, to, to go to Minnesota and play in the Super Bowl? Or do you just say we're the Pittsburgh Steelers, we got to win our division, we got to take care of business, and, you know, whatever happens, happens. Because- the latter is platitudinous, and the former is reality. You, in all likelihood, to get to the Super Bowl from the AFC side, you do at some point have to face Tom Brady. To ignore that is is being foolish. And in Gillette, because the Patriots are starting out 6-0. and I know. Why don't, Why can't you can't you do something about that? Can't you talk to the football gods over there with all your connections at films and say enough's enough? How about somebody in that division pose some challenge to this team already? Well, it's a top. I mean, films is more like the Winterfell of, of, of the NFL universe. We're we we are in the we're out there in the north. Mm. Is that a Game of Thrones that, reference? I don't really get that. I don't know. What, oh, yeah. No, not a, no, no, no. We're, we're heavily tied into that one. All right. Let's talk about the other documentary because I do enjoy the documentary about uh, the goings on way back at Westeros, you know, what was happening in that day and age. But uh, let's talk about 2017, what's happening in the Tampa St. Pete area. I agree with you. Jameis, I'm a little bit like somebody – who found an indie band before the most people found it. And I knew Jameis was was a winner in terms of charisma a couple of years ago. I knew how good he was going to be and Gerald McCoy and Mike Evans. Now the world does. And I'm a little raw about it, that everybody's getting in on this thing. Uh, Hard Knocks is a show because it's about training camp. 
very little happens in training camp. We always like to brag to everybody. We shoot 350 hours a week for one hour of hard knocks. Do you know why we do that? Because training camp is boring. Very little happens. Hard knocks is totally dependent on the on the character, the people who will become the characters, and whatever events end up happening over those six weeks. Sometimes the, the, the personalities aren't as compelling. Sometimes the personalities are Rex Ryan or Chad Ochocinco. Sometimes nothing happens. Sometimes Chad Ochocinco gets cut in show three. And in, in this case, um, we I think, I think the crew hit the jackpot. Yeah, it's really, I mean, you know, you just to, no, with no. I said, with those three guys I just named, it's a winning season, uh, period. But add to that the fact that the the kicker situation played out very, yep, very early. And, and with well, the story, not way away. Yeah, it was, but. you know, and and I, there's a lot to say about that that I think is really the, the real value of hard knocks. Um, but that playing out in – the second week of camp rather than over the whole five weeks changed the trajectory of things a little bit for the storytellers, but it created an episode where you spent 10 minutes learning about this guy and then seeing the way it all played out. And again, it happened in show three where we met an undrafted rookie named Maurice Fleming and you meet him. He's always, he's playing. Who's the other, oh, they're just introducing us to the cast of rookies now that, that are going to carry us through to the end. Cause that's what we do on hard knocks. And, Lo and behold, his whole story arc ends up playing out. Um, spoiler, you know, we won't do spoilers here, but his story arc ends up playing out over one episode. And we used to, it was something we, you know, in 2007, we did the Chiefs. It was um, something we almost stumbled on is that you could do a whole character arc in one episode. And that's such a great and satisfying mode of storytelling for the audience. I'm fascinated by by the your it seems like NFL films really uh, you know obviously you are filmmakers but I think people sort of uh conflate it with you know too often with just highlights and the weekly highlights but right like any other filmmaker you guys are trying to construct a beginning middle and end and a narrative within each episode and for the entire series I'm fascinated by that but I think the thing and by the way you mentioned that Chiefs ought seven to me the worst quarterback battle in the history I mean imagine how sad you'd be if you were a Chiefs fan at that point Damon Heward versus Brody Croyle that talk about movie making. The tagline for uh, Alien versus Predator: Whoever wins, we lose. Never more apt than that QB battle, right? I'll give you. I'll give you a little inside story on that one. So, Coach Edwards was fantastic. Was he that? was he was fantastic from a comedic standpoint because he made me feel like well well if Herm Edwards can be an NFL head coach then so too can Damashek because all he does is blow in and out of the room with a bunch of nonsense and then they get back to their position group meetings he just like walks in like come on now man today's the day not tomorrow not yesterday look in the mirror see what you see then go about it but and then he would walk out of the room they'd be like what the hell just happened what would you know. Back, back to the X's and O's, guys. When now, what I, Coach Edwards was fantastic from a producer standpoint, all right, and the director standpoint. This was the first Hard Knocks in several years, and it was something of a reboot. And it was the first year we really oh, went yeah. for a more cinematic approach to it. It was when the tremendous, revered showrunner of Hard Knocks, Ken Rogers, uh, took over, and I was the the the, the at the time the co-producer. 
and I was the person who put the show together, and, and the great director, Rob Gehring, it was his first run at it. And we decided to, to try to take a more cinematic approach because HBO had come out with 24-7, the boxing series, in the interim during mm. Hard Knocks' long winter. So when we came back, we said the bar has been raised. It's an HD era now. We need to make – let's go ahead and really make a movie out of this. Um, as good as the Ravens show was, we needed to do – we needed to, to raise our bar, which was exciting because we wanted to be making movies anyway. But Herm was great about it. Coach Edwards was great until the day he made the decision on the quarterbacks. And he didn't tell Rob Gehring. Really? That when he was making the decision. So – if you go back and watch the Chiefs episode, we had to sort of improvise how we would show the decision being made. You know, and people always say, oh, you know, we, we, there's this assumption that we get everything, that we shoot everything on Hard Knocks, you know. And no, there's stuff you miss. And in that one, we missed when Coach Edwards told the quarterbacks. We never got that moment until the Texans season with Bill O'Brien two years ago telling the quarterbacks who was going to be the starter. Listen. You're, you seem like a clever fella. I, I fancy myself to be the same. When coaches let you down, you I, I'm not a punishment necessarily, but you're trying to make the best possible film. Why don't you get fast and loose with it and make like they, they, they just like put the names in a hat and pulled it out. Like just do it all in close up, you know? So I'm like, Let, let's put their names on a wheel and that's how we decided it and make it look that way. And then they won't make that mistake again, Herm Edwards and company, you see? Yeah. We take great pride in never it's being an actual it, documentary. Never treating it like a produced documentary or reality series, you know. And sure, there are scenarios where <clears throat> you know you want rookies to go to the zoo on their day off or whatever. But Hard Knocks is the real thing, and 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 we always just wanted to to capture. What happened in, the, in in those six All weeks? right, but just imagine a close-up on a hand that looks like it could be Herm Edwards what? flipping a coin up in the air and then landing like, heads is Croyle, tails is Heward, you well, know? Or, in, as as the case may be, using markers to paint, to to create a Croyle poster or a Heward. Because if you remember, the show started with Herm making a welcome to training camp poster. So yeah. I think in that one, it would have been a hand making a, a Heward and a Croyal poster to announce to the team. I love it. See, maybe, See? maybe now you're sh- opening up. Maybe it should have been more produced. Mm. Maybe it should have. You're coming around. See, it only took, uh, it only took 90 seconds to get you onto my side. Here's the thing about hard knocks, better or worse. The human drama that plays out is whether or not it's not, you know, it's cool when the big star Jameis Winston. And by the way, the authenticity, I, I'm curious what you think about uh, Jameis, the way he comes across. To me, I know if you're the quarterback of an NFL team, you have to command the room. And you can sometimes get a whiff of like, eh, he's forcing it a little bit. That's outside himself. Jameis's charisma and the going player to player, I believe in you, man. I got your back. When he does that one by one, I find that winsome. Does that does that come across to you that he seems like a different kind of a guy than a lot of the quarterbacks we've been around? I can't believe you just went winsome. I did. I did. I, I like that. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. I think, and I read this a couple places, Jameis, Jameis's voice, and in show three, Fitzpatrick actually says to him, your voice is like, do you study Muhammad Ali tapes? Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, that's like, great. Like he he is incredible 
when he starts talking, you're like, oh, you're almost like, oh no, is he going to lose the thread here? What, where are we going with this one? And nine times out of ten, he lands the plane, and gives you something where that was a that was a hell of a speech. By the time it was done, there was one in this show, in this episode before the game. What was it? you can't rewind, and you're oh boy, where's he going now? And he he did it. He landed the plane again. I I mean yeah, I love it. And then on the other side of things, you have McCoy who is essentially I you know I don't know in terms of calling out uh, plays or anything, but. Just to, you know, as a as a personality, as a leader of those guys, I mean, he's he's dynamite as well and hysterical. It's good, it's good. I, to get two leads like that in one season of Hard Knocks. I love that you call them leads. That's a, and, and it's what presents itself to you. It's not an audition. Well, They're basically auditioning. Now, having said that, now let me give you my spiel. Let me give you this. All right, spiel you know. me. All right. I hope it's winsome. Hard Knocks and All or Nothing, the, the show I produce um, now, you know. They both, the the real attempt here is to is to present these people in three dimensions, you know, and, and to humanize the Jameis Winstons and the Gerald McCoys, you know, and the Jeff Fishers, wh- whomever it may be, um, in a way that really no other show on TV has any opportunity to do anything like it, you know, and 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 you start a season with hard, of Hard Knocks. And some people have said, oh, has Hard Knocks run its course? You know, is it is it stale? And the way we look at it is it, not, every season of Hard Knocks is a blank canvas. And that, that gives us this opportunity to paint a new portrait of life in the NFL and, and, and study a group of people for six weeks and capture them as they are and try to tell a story about them that reveals a side of them as human beings, as, as young men or coaches trying to do a job a really, really hard job and like come together with a bunch of other guys trying to do the same thing. And Hard Knocks, they're competing for jobs, a lot of these young guys. And can we tell a story that leaves the audience going, oh, like this is, these are, those are real people that I'm Well, I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine that you wouldn't come away from it feeling some of a little bit, at least the uh, of some of the pressure that's on Jameis Winston, that he is the face of that franchise, that he, they are all looking to him quite clearly, more so than in other seasons, that this is the guy and and that all this talk, all the hyperbole in August about where this team may wind up uh, in January. It's all, I mean, not all, but very, uh, you know, very real. It's it's on Jameis to, to get it done and to live up to those expectations. Well, well, yeah, simultaneously, we're in a world where we're watching shows 24-7 saying, is Jameis going to make the leap? Is he, a, is he an elite quarterback? And then you have a show on at the same time where it's like, well, there's Jameis, like, talking about eating hot, like, learning. I know, you hot can feel the pressure, but people – there's just this whole other world, and and I think Hard Knocks. It's just such a great entry point for everybody when we're all dying for football, and to come in and for us to have an opportunity to make a show that says, reminds everyone the, the humanity that lurks beneath it all, between beneath fantasy football and beneath are the are the Steelers going to finally win a damn game in Gillette in January, and beneath all that is a bunch of people who get paid a lot of money but are pretty young being paid to do a very, very hard job. Well, you hit the jackpot with these Buccaneers. I think we agree on that. I think the thing, though, along with, you know, uh, in broad strokes at least, 
that getting to see the high-end stars and seeing, oh, wow, they, they, have, they have a great sense of humor or they're charismatic or whatever it is, you know, with, with, with this team, that's great, like watching the Kardashians, I suppose, like I say in broad strokes. Oh, that's what it's like to be, to be a big star in, on the face of the earth in the 21st century. But what is consistently compelling is the guys that are on the fringe trying to make the team. And this year, with the new cut process in the NFL, are you guys having to manage that? I know you don't like when I say this, but I think that it's hard to it's hard to imagine realistically that players and coaches aren't aware of hard knocks at this point, and they don't see how other teams cut guys and which one seems soulless, which one seems the warmest way to do it. Say what you want about Jerry Jones. He's the owner, and he called guys into his office to cut them. That was better than the way the Bengals did it, which was knocking on a door at 4 a.m. and waking guys up to tell them, get out of here. Leave your playbook, though. Get your other stuff. Get your underpants and stuff and get out of our facility. See, I know this is your thing. I know, because it's interesting. This is your spiel. It's not my spiel. It's among your your spiels. Spiel. All right, go ahead. Number one, between Bengals 2009 and Bengals 2013. They changed, which they lead, got- which proves my point. They saw it, and we're like, well, that, that was a bad look. <laughs> we better change that. Can't have that happen again. Number two, I, I honestly don't. I mean, I think everybody who does hard knocks has to do a little bit of homework and say, all right, how does this actually work now that we're, we're actually going to do this, and, and I'm going to have to do this on TV. So, yeah, they, they, they want to know how it's done how it's been done by other people. But I think at this point that process of, of cutting players has been standardized to some degree. I mean, I think the league has centralized it and they want it. They, they, everybody wants things done in a way that gives the players the best chance to understand why it happened and what happens next. So there are, there are a set of steps that have been outlined from the league. So I, I do think there's a normality to it, but this season with the new rule, all the cuts in, in one, Mm-hmm. This this presents a challenge. We have a funny, a meme. When the HBO executives, Dave Harmon and, and Rick Bernstein, come to films every Monday to watch the cut of the show, and and all the executives pile in to watch the, the you know here's the show, and then we're all going to tear it apart and try to remake it by midnight on Monday night. We always say traditionally. Show two is the hardest show. This was something Steve, because Steve Sable used to say it. He used to come in my office and say, Keith, how's, how's the show? I, I don't know, Steve. I don't know if we have anything. This would be Sunday morning. He's, well, Keith, traditionally, show three is the hardest show. And every week, Steve would come in and say, well, traditionally, show four is the hardest show. So now every week <laughs> when Harmon and Bernstein come down, they say, how's it looking? And we say, well, you know, show three is traditionally the hardest show. Now, show four, in my view, actually was traditionally the hardest show. It was the show before the show. We had to make sure we had everything buttoned up with character development so that you really knew what was at stake heading into the finale. And also, you had the dress rehearsal. Show four is the dress rehearsal because it's the third preseason game. Mm -hmm. So you get the last meaningful action for the starters. And then show five, they just fade into oblivion, and mm-hmm. it's just got to be about these rookies. So, and then show four would always end with the first round of cuts to kind of get you 
get you ready for show five. It's like the it's like the minor battle in in Game of Thrones before the big battle in the penultimate episode where the major. It's like when the Ravens dies. and Steelers fight yeah. tooth and nail to see who survives the North, only to get the to, Patriots on the to other get side. Get the doors blown off right. at Gillette Stadium two weeks later. So yeah, so now there's a new game, and that's why I say one of the reasons that that the team hit the jackpot this year is because. The Guayo situation played out on show two. Another thing happened in show three. A guy actually got cut in show one, which usually doesn't happen. So I don't know what will happen in show four. But what I do know is that when 37 players lose their, you know, get cut on that last weekend, that's going to happen on Friday afternoon, Saturday morning. The show airs on Tuesday night. So we used to have like 20 cuts to go through or whatever the number was. Now there's going to be 37. And our team of editors back at Films is going to have to sift through all of that. They're not going to know all the outcomes beforehand. And you're going to have to figure out which stories really need to be told that that the audience is going to connect with. Because this particular season has been driven so much by the stars, by Jameis and by Gerald McCoy, there hasn't been as much focus on the rookies. So there's a a lot of heavy lifting for the team to do. And by the team, I mean Ken Rogers, Paul Camerata, who now has my job. He puts the show together with an editor named David Stiles. And now there's a cast of 20 editors that are going to be working around the clock. And then the directors, Matt Dissinger, who is a tremendous director, Shannon Furman, his assistant, they got five directors down there and a crew of 30. And they're going to shoot all of this. And they got to get about, it's got to be fed back to films. And they're going to have like 24 hours to figure to go through it all, figure it out, and put show five. I think the most interesting angle, my two cents is, and and I require you to take it and pass it on to all your editors, is what's interesting about that is I I don't mean to put GM and coach in uh, in the hot seat with this, but their interactions in between the cuts as they're doing this sort of uh, you know um, you know this this. I assume they're going to be semi-rapid fire and like, now what do we have? Let's get our ducks in a row on this and how we're going to handle this guy. I think that is interesting as much as when the guy is in the room getting cut, like who's next and how they feel about doing that. That's a tough spot to be in. I wouldn't want to be the ax man. No. And every team does it differently. I know we don't, you know, we'll see how what's interesting about um, the bucks, which I don't know. Everybody realizes is, you know, two years ago we were with Atlanta when Mike Smith was the head coach and Dirk Cutter was the And he had his Tevas on too. Did you know that was going to be a problem when you saw Mike Smith and Tevas on day one and he came in and he tried to use bad words at the team, but it was like, Well, Matt, come on, coach. Wear some wear some uh, combat boots. Don't wear don't wear the Tevas to give this speech. Right? Two years ago. Go ahead. They they were they've done it before. Mike Smith and Dirk Cutter, mm-hmm. so they have experience, uh, and now so we will see what they what they learned and, and how they want to how they want to play it this time around. Because you you know Dirk Cutter's the head coach, and you don't think well what he actually went through this two years ago. He knows exactly what the show's going to do and and how to you know maybe deal with that. All right, but tell you you want to get in his ear, tell Cutter like don't wear the Tevas. That's my first. That's the only tip I'm going to give you, Coach. No, well, you don't want we to. Don't, do it? Well, you know, we don't. We don't typically get into wardrobe. No decisions. We we want them to be. I wouldn't themselves. want to get cut by a guy. I wouldn't want to get fired by somebody wearing Tevas. You know, I'd be like that would add an extra little turn of the knife to me. I know? mean, I think they. You know, Mike Smith 
chose his footwear. I, that that well, I agree he did. You, you you respect that decision <laughs> and and his his I think his work in the booth in this season's Hard Knocks has been one of the unexpected delights of the series. I think seeing Coach Smith. I agree with in that. The, in the coach's booth has been it's been neat to see him again. He's a terrific coach and a great guy. I agree. More egregious footwear in history of Hard Knocks. Mike Smith in Tevas, Jameis Winston in uh, Birkenstocks. That was interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. That was a surprising. Interesting that was a surprising yeah. choice. Yeah. I didn't expect that at all. No. Yeah. I liked it. I didn't think it was winsome. That was not winsome. <laughs> hey, talking with you is, though. There he is, everybody. Keith Cosrow. Oh, what's happening with All or Nothing this year? Do we have an update yet? Something. Something? Do you know the team? I'll tell you in March of 2018. You already know the team, don't you? You know, I'd love I put it. I'd like to throw in for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, man. Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins. Ooh. They're a good group. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Hard not to root for them with what they're doing this offseason. All right. There he is. Keith Cosrow. There he goes out the door. I, sh- I, I you know what? If we had more time, I would have cut you like uh, I would just to let you feel what it's like I do, next time. You know what I also don't like is when the coach or GM or whoever goes in for a hug. Like, don't put your hands on me. At the end of it. You're, can't, you're showing me the door now. You want a hug, too? You don't get it both ways, friend. Well. You know? See, the music is playing us off. More Sam Spence, too. How about that, too? Can never. Dave Robito is what you can't be. I love Sam Spence. Oh, Spence. You know, have you this met This is Spence da- here. Have no. you met Dave Robito? I've never had. He's the most talented person employed by the NFL. Really? Yes. My composer All right. at NFL Films. Fine, I guess I'm, uh, I'm chopped liver. All right, we'll talk with you next time. In the meantime, it's been a thin slice of heaven. See ya. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.